Only the Lonely Cup Special. After defeating Duffy's Dumbarton in the last round, Airdrie land the dream draw. Celtic away, our biggest game in years, and we think worthy of a one-off podcast. In part one, I speak to Brian Smith and Alan Porteous about what they think a trip to Parkhead holds in store for the Diamonds. And then in part two, behind enemy lines, I speak to father and son combo, both Celtic season ticket holders, about what they expect when the Diamonds come calling. Then part three, bring on Goliath. Airdrie legend Paul Jack gives me the anatomy of a giant killing. We've got Celtic coming up in the Cup in a few weeks' time. I've got Brian Smith and Alan Porteous again. Gentlemen, we'll all remember happy occasions where matches against Celtic weren't quite the rarity that they've become and we're all uh, fortunate enough to have seen the Airdrie beat Celtic on more than one occasion. The Cup final in 1995 was a bit of a seminal moment for Celtic. They've kicked on, gone from strength to strength, and they're obviously dominating Scottish football just now. In terms of us, things have got worse and worse <laughs> since that point, and only now can we look to be on the up. But uh, throwing it open to you, a, a match against Celtic has inspired the fans of over a thousand people going to it. Um, what are you looking forward to? Uh, for me, I'm looking forward to having an atmosphere at a game and will be a bit like turning the clock back and, and giving, giving a few memories that we haven't had for quite some time. And I think that would be the big thing for me. In terms of the playing side, I think that I would like to see us going out and playing with our heads held high and to compete and not to go with the attitude that it will be a case of how many. Let's go and and, and see if we can uh, pinch, pinch a goal and then see where it goes from there. No reason why we can't. Other teams have done it in the past. Alan, you've written a book on football, which we'll speak about at some point very soon, but going to Parkhead, what does it evoke for you? Invokes uh, cha- chapter 11 of my book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're obviously looking forward to a, a healthy dose of sectarian antagonism, which is well in it. <laughs> um, but, but kind of echoing what Brian's saying, I really kind of hope that, uh, that we go and we do ourselves justice. You know, I think uh, we spoke in the last podcast about the, you know, the, the bowling esque games against against Rangers that, that, that we were that we didn't really do ourselves justice, that we were there to make up the numbers and, you know, no shots at goal and, and, and whatever else. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not suggesting for a second that we go out with a gung-ho attitude and play three men up front. God forbid we don't do that against Stenhouse Muir. However, it would be it would be nice to just play with a bit of confidence for the players to enjoy their day and, and, and for for us to, to leave the ground thinking that we gave themselves, we gave them something to think about, I think, rather than just you know, plug up the holes, hang around our own box and try and get in the way. You know, I, I, we have got better players than that. And and I, 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 would, I would like to see us just, just worry them a little bit, I think. That would be, that would be nice. And, and, and give the fans enough to have a wee bit of a sing-song uh, and, and obviously... Uh, and obviously went 2-0. I mean, my recollections of the game in 1991 aren't strong. One thing that stands out to me, it's the first time I ever saw Davy Kirkwood hit a penalty, which became a very happy sight, because the best penalty taker I've ever seen for 
for the Airdrie, but obviously Oberonfield, any time the old firm came was rocking. I was very young, but I remember there used to be people sitting on top of the like, brick house toilets, people sitting on top of pie stands. Uh, it was weird to be in a, a football ground that was so full. Aye, and, and the old firm fans sitting in the, in the season ticket holder seats. That was always a nuisance, wasn't it? How did they always get those? How did they get those tickets? They were always there, just and they were they were just really annoyed that anybody pointed out that they shouldn't be there. Oh, just unbelievable. Well, I can I I'm now going to show my age because the first time I saw Airdrie playing Celtic, my dad it was at Old Broomfield in I think it was seventy one. It was seventy one or seventy two. And it was when we come back from one goal down to one two one, and Kevin McCann scored in the last minute, and and Celtic had not that long had played in the European Cup, and and we went into the old stand, and and I've still got very very vivid memories of that all these years later, and and it was it it, it seems like quite a romantic sort of notion now to think that. You know, we could play the old firm at any point in time and, and, and take anything off them, you know, and it would be so good to be able to go back to that. So, you know, if I had the, the magic wand, then that would be it. Certainly in my, my living memory, we've always done better against Celtic than Rangers. I don't think I've ever seen us beat Rangers. Uh, I, again, I'm old enough to remember that we have. I remember the... 4-3 game the year Rangers sort of broke the Celtic nine in a row and there was they only lost about three games all season and one of them was to us at Ibrox 1-0 which I was at in their celebration day and the other one was 4-3 at Broomfield which was one of the best games I've ever been at ever so I've been I've been fortunate to see us beating Rangers and, and Celtic you know but it's been so long that that you know, I I sit and I, I talk to my son about uh, and bore him to death. He's now eighteen. He's not that interested. We're interested in sort of cider and lager and stuff like that. And uh, you know, and, and tell him about you know the sing, you know all the singing that used to go on and the atmosphere and you know playing Rangers at Ibrox and getting a draw and playing Celtic at Celtic Park and usually I think the best I ever saw is there was getting a draw, but beating them at home and and actually going to these games and actually thought you had a chance. It, it would be so good to be able to go back to days like that, but you know I'm I'm the great romantic and it's never going to happen. Will you Will you guys be having a wee drink before you go to the game on Saturday? We're booked for lunch, aren't we, Brian? We're, we're, uh... we are, yeah, we are. I've actually got yeah, I've actually oh, got the tickets. Uh, the, at this moment in time, Colin can't go because I've got the tickets in my house. So. <laughs> And we're we're setting up the back, Brian. I think there's some poles that we are, we are right up back. the back. I, I I was very lucky to be actually. Uh, I happened to be doing a little bit of work with the fans, fitness and training. Good advert while we're on, and the tickets were about to go on sale, and and I managed to get, if not the first pick, then certainly not that far off it, and. Uh, a certain Mr. Telford Senior was desperate to get the last seats right up the back, so I managed to secure them. So, yep, we will be right up the back watching everything going on. That's because there's poles up there so that we can no see some of the goals <laughs> flying in. <laughs> we, can, we can bang on the back of the stadium, but if we do that, we'll probably fall down. So <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, we're, we're all the same football fans. There's somebody in uh, Pine Borough the other day saying, I'm having. But Pine Bovril's funny, actually. So the old Sunday papers, if Airtree's on a winning run, I do find myself checking it almost on a daily basis, whereas when we go a few weeks without winning, I don't go near the thing. But the, it was somebody saying, no, I'm the only person that thinks we can win, and realistically, he must be, because I'm thinking, well, Kilmarnock were the best team in Scotland in 2018, went to Parkhead a few weeks ago uh, and get turned over five. 
and I've, then I've been trying but then your mind wanders like what, what would need to go right for us to, to win or get a draw out of this game and it's almost like every chance we get we need to score they're coming back their holidays you really want some sort of big big fallout well, they've got three new signings that don't know anything about Scottish football it's going to be free <laughs> they don't know we're shit <laughs> and they, they don't they, they, they'll be they'll be frightened of us that you took the words right out of my mouth so there you go uh, they've got Oliver Burke George Weir's son there you go I don't even know his name uh, Timothy Timothy Weir and who apparently are both at lightning quick uh, oh dear so, so <laughs> I, I do wonder whether we'll give them a run out for their first games but yeah, they need to be rusty they need to go off to a sluggish start fans on their back we'd need to score we'd need to have the keeper to have a dream game with bodies thrown in front of shots it'll depend what team Rodgers puts out you see the, 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 the not obviously the Burton game tonight but the shocks this weekend in the FA Cup uh, in England that happens but that's where you get big teams that aren't interested for the Celtic fans this idea of a treble treble's massive and they want to stop Rangers having any sort of resurgence so I don't think he's going to be putting out the under 19s uh, I, 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 I dare to dream but everything would need to go people like Lewis Morgan you know and, and maybe the Ralston the right back and you know if Izzigiri's still around maybe maybe him but he might play Tierney because he's not played for a while but I still think that, that they'll have a they'll have a core and their team that will be there, you know, to to make sure that the job's done, you know, whether it's Brown or in Cham or people like that, they're up at the team already. So, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, I think for us, we just we just need to go and try and, you know, set ourselves up. You know, in the previous broadcast, I, I was singing the praises of Ian Murray's, you know, structure and shape and whatever. Well, this is a big test because I think that's this is what it will be about. Will be about keeping our shape and making sure that that you know we don't leave any gaps. And well, so we're saying two things. We're saying we don't want to just not turn up and not give the fans any shout about. But at the same time, how do you line that team up? Do you go four, five, one and try and break, or he's kind of. Looks like he's he'll play Wilkie, Wilkie in behind McIntosh. It seems to be his preference just now. Anyway, to just build on that. I think that's what it'll be. I don't. I don't. I personally can't see that. That you know, it's a day for Alan's going to hate this, but it's a day for the workhorses. You know, so you know the ones that are really going to put the foot in and you know make sure that that they're where they should be, and 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 it's not for those to. You know, who, whose legs aren't quite uh, the way they used to be in the old days, can I put it that way? So, And, and bring Victoria on with 20 minutes and he'll just run them ragged. In, <laughs> in a romantic world, yes. And the reality is, I don't even think he'll be on the bench. <laughs> he'll be tired by then. Well, yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually just laughing, calling it the guy you were talking about in Pine Bovril, committed the cardinal sin. On his posting on, on 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 social media, and he starts his he starts his post by "Am I the only one who thinks?" And a hundred people all go, "Yes, yes." <laughs> you know, it's just I'm never going to get. I've I've learned that from bitter from bitter. Well, or they please. don't or they don't even bother replying because no. they think, "What an idiot!" Yes, you are the only one that thinks, aren't you? Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and no offense to the person who posted, you're not an idiot, but it was just a phrase. Uh, do, do, do you know, um, looking back at old Airdrie Celtic matches, so, so how the game's changed, but uh, one of the things that I, I miss is 
You'd Celtic with their home jerseys on, with the, just their numbers and their shorts. Airdrie with the home jerseys on and the, the wee number and the diamonds. We can guarantee there's no chance we're wearing our home kit uh, for that for that game. It's just uh, with Celtic playing Europe now, they've got to have a big massive white uh, patch on the back of the the jersey. Just the wee things in football, they take away all the all the fun. All the romance, it's a load of nonsense as well, and it's all corporate gobbledygook. It's one of my favourite subjects. I was at the 75 Cup final, Celtic versus Airdrie, and, and if you look at the old the old film of that, that's magnificent. You've got us, you know, really proudly in the diamond and the white, and, and you know, everybody looks like a man. And and then you've got Celtic with your Kerry Douglases, etc., you know, and they're green and white. It's just proper football you know it's the way it, it's the way it should be and the way it should always be but unfortunately we'll never be again no we'll never I had a big rosette that day remember them like a big, <laughs> I had a big metal big huge metal cup in the middle of it that, that must have failed oh, every me- single health and safety I, I actually think I might have had that as well to be honest Aye, uh, what was that all about yeah, I was in the North Stand at the Celtic Airdrie game in, the, in 75 and I think I, my dad, myself and, and my next door neighbour and, and his uh, brother-in-law, well, I think we were the only four Airdrie fans in that stand. I never to this day know how we ended up there but luckily for us we got out alive. So. It might not have been the case if we'd won <laughs> but I... No, well true actually. I never actually saw Billy McNeil raising the trophy because we had gone by then, we had we had run a race. So, and then to my eternal shame, years and years later, uh, this guy came up to sit on my seat, which I sit in every week, and and I said, "No, mate, you can't sit there," uh, not realising it was Kevin McCann, uh, and and felt so guilty. And as you can imagine, that was a number of years ago, and I, it still lives with me even now. Well, he needed to know. You, you put him in his place. That's fine. <laughs> Doesn't matter if he played played in the cup. You, final. You've been to more games since 1975 than him, Brian. So uh, you were quite right. <laughs> fine, although, although to see, to be fair, my old time hero Willie McCullough could have my seat every week if he wanted to, because he can walk on water. One thing about Willie, he never left anything on the pitch. What does that even? Now I always wondered what that meant. What? <laughs> he just put in a hundred percent effort. He went to I the toilet believe. in the right place. I mean, what, what does that mean? <laughs> Can I be honest? It's one of the phrases that you use in football. You know, along with it's a game of two halves, and I'm over feed the moon. The channels. And, and yeah, you just never. Uh, you what never. What does that even mean? Feed the channels. What does that mean? Oh, feed the channel. One of my favourites. Uh, in <laughs> fact, one of my, one of my favourites when when I was a manager when you couldn't get the ball to their feet. Just, just put any of the space between the full back and the centre half, and let them run after it. And we have a look. You might get a, you might get a break or two. That's that one of my favourites. That one, I like that one. Run the channels. You're bunching. That's an argument. Well, these days they do because these, <laughs> everybody bunches. Everybody right? just goes over the one side of the bloody pitch. I've right. never ever understood that. You know, when when I was a kid, if we all ran over to one side of the pitch. The Janny or whoever it was that was running the school team would go spread out, spread out. Now they do it as part and parcel of the tactics. So you wouldn't you know, get away with Brian. They'd have been on you. You're right. They're going to use their bunching. Aye, we used to always get told off for it. I, I, I always, I always remember it, and every time I see it, even now, uh, and see they're doing what we were told not to do when I was in Charleside Primary. So. Brian. 
Brian was sitting watching Manchester City in the telly tonight and he's City going, he's our bunching. <laughs> I was sitting actually thinking what a good game first half Scott Fraser had, if I'm honest, and then thought, you're too good for this team, son. But, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll move on to better things. But, you know, we are talking. I'm, I'm glad we're playing Celtic and not Manchester City. Put it that way. Are you bold enough to make a predict a, a realistic prediction? Would you? What's? I'm um, I'm hoping that Airdrie Airdrie minus two could we if we get a two goal head start uh, could we come out ahead? My hope is that if we we have a a good performance, not expecting to win, um, but reinvigorates the the fan base a bit. Uh, it should bring in enough money to set us up for next year uh, and maybe this in the same way as everything since 95 has gone wrong uh, for us maybe this could be a game that finally kickstarts us into a, a period of success Do you, I'll go first this time because I think that we will give the fans something to be proud of and we will be something like 2-1 down with five minutes to go and think this is a good result, and then proceed to lose a couple near the end to make it 4-1, which makes it sound as if we got a doing, but in reality, we didn't. It's not bad. That's, that's, not, that's not a bad shout. Um, I'm going to make the proviso that if he plays Scott Robertson, who I still maintain is the best defender at the club, if he plays him and we keep it quite tight, um, I'm going to be optimistic here, and I think we'll, we'll narrowly lose one nothing. With a dodgy, with a dodgy offside or a dodgy penalty, because it's the old firm, um, just to just to spare their blushes. Um, but if we if we're if we're not if we don't go about about our business properly, then it could be a, a long day. Agreed. See you, Parkhead guys. To prove that I'll talk to anyone about football, I've got two Celtic fans uh, on the line, uh, but only one name. I've got. Tony Patterson, who used to play for Victoria Park in Airdrie, uh, was at university with me and Tony Patterson Sr., his dad, uh, which is why Victoria Park fans never sang There's Only One Tony Patterson. And that's the only reason, isn't it, Tony? Hey, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Other than that, was a superstar. I wanted to speak to uh, both of you because, and although I've never spoken to you, uh, Tony Sr., before, uh, speaking to you, you need Tony, I always got the impression that football uh, and supporting a football club played a similar role in your family as it does in mine, and that it's something that brings all the guys together, probably something that we all spend a disproportionate amount of our time and our money on, but how long have the two you been supporting Celtic, and what's that played in your father-son relationship? Um, I, I've been going regularly to games for about 25 years now, Um and it's it's been a, a massive massive part of my life and as you say it's all it's always kind of been like a, a, a social event as as well as going to the football even even to this day it's an opportunity for me to see a lot of my cousins and uh, uncles and stuff we've got a wee a wee section <laughs> almost the north curve <laughs> the north curve yeah uh, there's a section and it, it's mad because my my dad's still got about Five brothers. So, st- Alec, Martin, Jared, me, Liz. Yeah, brother. Uh, five, five brothers and a sister, a sister-in-law, and I don't know, three or four nephews come and sons and daughters. Well, no daughters, sons. It's funny, there's no daughters, but my sister's got a ticket now, um, and she got her first ticket when she was sixty-eight years of age. It was all the boys in the house that went to the to the football, and. Uh, Somebody was giving up a ticket, and you don't want a stranger coming in. And uh, she says to me, "How much are these tickets?" 
I said, well, you're a pensioner. You can get one for whatever it was, £250 or something. And she got a ticket and I says to her, when was the last time you were here? And she says, my dad took me when I was eight. <laughs> so she had to do for 60 years, you know? And did she enjoy it? She gets dropped off at uh, the corner because she, she's, well, she's 70 now. And she gets dropped off at the corner by her daughter who every second Saturday's at Ibrox. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and Tony Senior, uh, so this is a story that, that Tony told me years ago, uh, but 1975 and 1995, uh, you went to the both Scottish Cup finals, uh, and on both occasions uh, swapped rosettes with uh, an Airdrie fan before the game, and everybody sitting around you said, what a jolly nice thing to do on yourself. Well, that's, uh, that's fantastic what you've said there, because uh, that's completely wrong. <laughs> so that's a good start, isn't it? The context of the story is right. Um, I would just start the research team that you've got there and start the game. Uh, the incident with the Rosette, um, yes, I was at the 75 Cup final, which I think might have been 3 nothing or 3 1. Did I ever get a penalty? 3 1, not every scored. Uh, I, I think it was a wee winger that scored, either number 7 or number 11. Um, Kevin, and I'll get the surname if you give me a minute and I can Google it while I'm talking to you. <laughs> It was something like Maguire or something like that, but um, he'd be a local boy anyhow. But what happened in 75 and nobody knew, she knew, everybody tells you when they're playing their last game, Andy Murray's told us he's playing his last game, that was Monday's news, Tuesday's news, it might not be his last game. But that day, I'm in 75, that was Billy McNeil's last ever game for Celtic. And we didn't know that pre-match, the way you do today, you know, pre-match was the start of the next thing. So um, it was about when he was last, uh, and he dropped the cup, and the boy gave him it as well. <laughs> Went up the state. So that was 75. 95 was Van Hooydonk, which is a completely different story. That was the first trophy. I think Celtic had won six or seven years. Um, but the Rosette story was a cup tie at Broomfield. And I suspect it would be 70, well, I don't know, three. But then, so you'll need to check your. Your, de- your, your details, unless it was a league tie, a league match, but I'm, I'm convinced it was a convinced it was a cup tie. Anyhow, what happened was, um, I've shared a room with three brothers, and you couldn't see the wallpaper in our room for football memorabilia. There was one wall that was majority Celtic, but the other three walls was covered in pennants for teams uh, from all over the globe. It started with my sisters coming back to Spain in the early 70s, that's when your Spanish travel really kicked in, late 60s, early 70s. And they'd bring back these big padded uh, pennants with the players' photographs on them for Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, or things like that. And we started to just start buying pennants, you know. Greaves Sports Shop, is it still there, Greaves, in the town in Glasgow? Gordon Street, Gordon Street, Greaves. Uh, the settlement in Gordon Street at the time it was quite a good golf place, but it was also good for um, for, for football stuff. And you could buy pennants in there, so we would buy pennants if we or a rosette, um, wherever we were, whether it was a football match or, or when I got older. Got, so by this time you're maybe eighteen, nineteen, twenty, go on holiday, buy some things back. But I remember buying this rosette, and I thought, well, I can put that in the wall. I've not got anything weirdy on it, um, and and I got this rosette. And I put it in my scarf. And I was in the opposite of the main stand, so I was in the enclosure there. 
And I think, again, if, if, I, if I was 16 or 17, then that makes it um, 75, 76. What about then? And it nearly caused a riot because the Celtic boys are wondering what the F's going on, you know? And, and the guy says to me, what's for the, what's for the pennant? What's for the Rosette, pal? Who, who do you support? And the, my retort was, well, what's the biggest, mate? The scarf for the, the Rosette. And it took him 25 minutes to work it out. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm all right then. But uh, that's what happened there. So that's where the incident was. I can't remember the game, the score. I think it was a cup tie. But uh, yeah, that, that's what happened. And obviously, when you're when you're collecting these, you know you you get your Barcelona and your Real Madrid one, but the real gem, the real one you want. Four Warners and Airdrie. There's no many guys get that combination, is there? Exactly. How, how many Airdrie resets are made? These Barcelona ones are ten a penny. That's what you want. And and it sounds like you were a, a the half and half scarfs, Tony. You probably you probably started that out with that Rosette. I bet you that boy. Half and half Celtic Rangers one of you. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, Celtic this season. So you're, oh, you've mentioned nineteen ninety five. I think it's quite an interesting point in the history of your club, history of our club. Uh, it's kind of our last great success and um, one of the final flourishes of Alex McDonald's Airdrie team. Uh, that was during the early days of the Ferguson McCann era, right before your sheer issue. I've seen documentaries where they call out that that, that really gave it a boost to uh, everybody coming and buying their shares. And, and since then, really, but for a few seasons, um, Celtic have dominated Scottish football, especially given the last, uh, well, what would we say now, seven seasons and what's happened there. Um, this season is a bit tighter. Uh, Rangers are putting up a, a challenge to you in the league. Uh, what do you make of your team this year? Are you, are, you, are you happy with how things are going? Are you still confident that you're um, going to add another league title? It's um, it's quite a it's quite a funny one actually because if uh, if you'd said at the start of the season that come the winter break we would have the league cup would be in the bag, be top of the table and would still be in Europe, you'd be. Yeah, I mean, you'd have taken that a hundred percent, you know. But the actual the season itself has been very stop start. Um, started very very poorly. We weren't start we weren't scoring many goals domestically. Then went on a good run, and then just before the winter break, we kind of stumbled over the line a wee bit. Um, I'm still quite confident because I think the squad is still pretty good, even though we've lost a few players. And I think we have made a couple of decent signings in this window and should make a few more. Also, that I mean, the bulk of the guys that are there, they've, they've been there, seen it and done it. And Brendan Rodgers is, is very, very focused. He's not going to let the standards drop too much. So, yeah, it, it's not been as good as, obviously, his first season, maybe even last season. But um, I'm still pretty confident about the rest of the season, yeah. And then there's your domestic forum and there's Celtic in Europe and, and European nights at, at Celtic Park. I'm sure as, as fans or something that you guys uh, really look forward to. And the way that European football is going uh, and and the, the income that the Scottish League generates, it feels as if that's becoming more and more of a struggle. What do you think the future is for, for Celtic in Europe? How can you compete there when you're up against the riches of... Well, you played Man City last year and that's probably a, a, a brilliant example of what you're up against. That's an unusual um, match to pick because Celtic, uh, I think bizarrely, drew home and away with Man City, if I'm correct. But they've had hammerings from uh, Barcelona and Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain. I was in the new Camp 
for the seven nothing was it seven one we got a goal late on seven nil yeah. recently previous to that going back ten years my record in the new camp was knocking them out and taking a point in the Champions League I had a great record at the new camp and then we sit now so the gulf in the ten years has been exponential you know um, and that's the same that it's the same gulf that it, between Airdrie and Celtic you know the, the smaller clubs and Celtic are a small club when it comes to turnover. You know, and turnover pays the wages. And we're a nation of five and a half million people. Even if we buy four tellies each, it's still only five and a half million people. You know, and that's where the money's coming from. It's dicked. And the sugar daddies as well. There's, there's some sugar daddies about Man City and, and, and places like that. So the Gulf, uh, so for us, this is, um, this is almost a success getting into Europe after Christmas. Yeah. You know, that's almost a success getting to Europe. You were always going to get a big club. Can they beat Valencia? Well, they beat um, the German team. Leipzig, Leipzig yeah. and they're sitting fourth in the Bundesliga. So, it's like, can everybody beat Celtic on Saturday? Of course they can. But everybody would need to play brilliant and everybody at Celtic would need to play poor. Well, we might need something like that against Valencia to compete. And they are no the big guns that they wear either. Yeah. So we're coming, Colin. Uh, the... I'm conscious that we'll all uh, remember Airdrie Celtic matches, but any Celtic fan in their twenties, even, uh, will be wouldn't mean anything to them. We've lost a bit of relevance. I was trying to think of what what's happened in recent years. Well, he bought Tony Watt from us, and obviously he had that goal against Barcelona. If we're talking about European nights, um, you played a friendly at at, at well uh, the Excelsior, uh, where Tommy Gravison ran out. Uh, only about a year after he would have been doing the same thing at the the Bernabeu, looking like he didn't know where he was or what he was what he was doing or what had happened in his life. Um, but I mean that's about it in the last twenty years. See, so Airdrie are coming. What do you guys think of when it's Airdrie Football Club? And you can, you can be honest, we don't we don't bruise easily. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll I'll leave this one to you. On you go. Well, my, my, you're right there. There's been nothing in the last twenty years. You know. Um, I was in a phone spot for clearly no saying this because this is my tenth blog I've done the day and, and I'm you know I've done the Wraith Rovers one I'm doing Cowden Beef in the morning and then I'm doing the Hamilakis blog you know so I'm not saying this just because you know I'm on your blog uh, I've also had a soft spot for Airdrie and Hamilakis you know uh, I don't know why um, I tried to get a game sort of went to, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if it was a trial. But it was certainly at Broomfield and it was certainly at Douglas Park, the old Douglas Park. Um, I think I was told to turn up for training or something like that. And they've looked at me when like that. He's too wee. He, plus he stays too far away to give him his bus fare. You know, they wanted some local boys. So I tried to get a game at to Hamilton and, and Airdrie because they were they were big clubs. They're, they're just no big clubs anymore. Um, a, the crowds go down, you know. Um, but Airdrie used to fill that place. For a big fixture, you'll know that, and your dad will tell you that. Um, so you're right. What, what is in modern times do know a lot, um, and you know something. Whether it was a, a naive or not, there's a, there's a bit of needle now. People say Airdrie hey, would be. I, I'll tell you. I was in seeing a man on business today in uh, in Edinburgh, and as I was leaving, and Anthony told me about this. Um, Tony, as you call him, he told me about this. Uh, might happen tonight, and as I was leaving, I says to the boy. I said, you're an Airdrie man, isn't you? He said, Airdrie and Rangers, Tony. <laughs> I said, what? 
So, but I was not aware that any... I've not seen everybody pay every support Rangers. I don't mean that. Or every every supporter supports Rangers. But clearly there's a there's some sort of thing. So that might be the only needle that, we, that we'll... You know, we're not going to shout at someone who being an every supporter. But if you've seen a Rangers supporter, he's a bit more needle, you know? So that might be the only... If, if we're struggling to find something to shout at, you know? Uh, of course, if you score the first goal, we can shout as well, you know? Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I remember seeing Justin Fashioner playing for you in, in the flesh a midweek game at, at Celtic Park um, that was the yeah he was like a, a big name I think he was kind of past it by then and Andy Smith Andy Smith and his ears that's what I kind of remember from the 90s he was a big a big player for you wasn't he? Yeah, he scored in the Scottish Cup final in 92 uh, against Rangers to get back to 2-1 yeah Airdrie were always Certainly in the, in the early 90s and mid 90s when they played Celtic, they were always uh, really competitive. But like like we were saying, as as the kind of the gap in in European football for Celtic trying to catch the big clubs just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So it has happened domestically as well. You know, it's it's a big big ask to expect Airdrie to to do much on on Saturday. You know, but. Well, stranger, stranger things have Colin, happened. Colin, I said earlier, about 10 years ago, it might have been, when did Airdrie knock Celtic out the cup and penalties midweek, League Cup? Is that 93? Uh, 91. That was at the game that night, and um, the Celtic manager was a certain Liam Brady. Now, Liam Brady was one of the most gifted players that you'll ever see in your life. Left peg, played for Arsenal, and then I think he plays for Juventus. He plays for the old lady um, long before... You had to be a superstar to go and play in the continent then. And, and he played, for, of course, for Republic of Ireland. The man was a genius as a football player, as a manager, um, less so. But the thing that reminded me that night, A, we were disappointed to see the least get knocked to the cup. Even more disappointed to knocked to the cup be a, a lesser, a smaller team. But he said, he said on the radio on the bus that nearly caused a riot, it wouldn't be a shock in England he couldn't understand why everybody was wanting to take his heat off you know he couldn't he couldn't get it he'd just been knocked out of the cup I, I don't know if they were in the same league as us at the time I suspect not they might have been a league below but he he said I don't get it in England this happens all the time well guess what Liam you're not in England now yeah, so 1991 we knocked out the the league cup, uh, and it was uh, it was nothing each and every one in penalties. Um, but then, uh, and I was at that match, but don't remember it that well. The 1998 we just moved into the new stadium, uh, and we drew you. And again, it was midweek. It was one of Joseph Engloss's first games. In fact, probably we all started to go wrong because I think he'd been Croatia Zagreb away possibly even the week before. Uh, uh, Drew won one nil. Uh, Martin Wilson scored a penalty, so it, it has happened. And Dr. Joe, Dr. Joe had been all over the uh, uh, the Balkans, all over that area, and he said he'd never seen anything like it when he went to Andrew. Do you know that? <laughs> well, in terms of the town or the, the football support. <laughs> Uh, no, but to go back to your point, I mean, I, I, what I expected you both to say uh, was that uh, the, the stereotype of Airdrie is uh, re- Rangers fans will bus fare, to, to use a polite term. So Airdrie got a thousand tickets for this match, have sold them out and got another 500, uh, which bear in mind uh, our home attendance 
averages now is probably about six seven hundred uh the, the fans are coming out in force uh, so as you see the but i mean it's a community club first team in scotland to have a, a sensory room first fans with autism free football uh, free season tickets for kids in the area if they donate a, a jersey which goes to to charity there's there's lots of good work that goes on uh, and it's kind of infuriating that these, these old stereotypes are are what sticks uh however i see that and then i'm also hoping that they don't we don't let ourselves down on on, uh, on Saturday. That's wonderful to hear to hear what you said there, you know, um about the club and they're doing well. But the papers are or they just you know what might be a problem on Saturday, and this is for myself. The game kicks off at quarter past five. I normally leave the house at twelve o'clock on a Saturday for a home kickoff. That's gonna give me an extra two hours in the pub. I'm hoping the game's getting taped somewhere so I can see it when I come back, you know. <laughs> well, if you've got Premier Sports on on subscription, no, we'll see it fine and dandy. <laughs> but but I think it'll be uh, I think you'll be shocked at um what this this team that a lot of your young fans will never have heard of uh, brings in terms of a support. Uh, we've been we've turned a corner. We've Ian Murray appointed as coach, uh, maybe now about ten games ago, uh, and he's he's turned a corner in terms of making us a good League One team. Massive step up. I know you played Brecon this time last year and won five nil. Uh, and I don't know. I have no idea what will happen Saturday. We need to keep it tight early. Uh, if we don't lose a goal for long enough, then you might start start to get a bit nervy. And if we lost by two or three goals, I'd be be delighted. Hope that the the crowd, the crowd that go, which will be a massive crowd, will by our standards uh, get a performance that will maybe make some of them go back to to regular home games. So. Uh, in the same way that everything since we played in 1995 gone wrong just about, I'm hoping that we're under new ownership. This gives enough money to have a really good season next year and this can be the start of maybe Celtic fans getting more familiar with playing Airdrie. Yeah, and you're uh, you're kind of creeping into the reckoning for the the playoffs, eh? You're... We, yeah, we're hot until the fourth place. Really good to speak to you guys. Really looking forward to Saturday. See if I can source an Airdrie reserve for the game for you. Just so you know where we are, incidentally, when you when you are making your gestures, which I hope is a wave, and and it isn't chilling in its nature. But where you where you will be um, in the corner, we are diametrically opposite you, right across the pitch in the opposite corner. That's your bit there. May the best team win on on Saturday, uh, and uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Absolutely. What a guest we've got for you next, uh, part three of the podcast, leave them wanting more, finish on a high, all the way dialing in from Belgium, I've got Airdrie legend Paul Jack, Paul thanks for speaking to me tonight. Hi Colin, uh, it's a pleasure mate. Paul, we, we did a, a Q&A before one of the games last year, uh, you'd had a, a cancer diagnosis, you hadn't been well, um, we were all delighted to see better news, it made me laugh, I, I'm moaning about going back to... Uh, work on a Monday, but you'd put a thing up on Facebook. Uh, that was you going back to work, and I dare say it was one of the happiest days of your life that you got to that point. Uh, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling great. Uh, it, it was good to get a bit of normality back in my life. That was I really had to get that, and the opportunity to get back to work. And to be fair, the company were great with me. They did. They didn't let me come back. Back. I was out for a couple of days, and then. I went back home and stuff like that. So I kind of got kind of bedded in slowly, you know. So it was good. 
and they've been really good to me. And it, it is good to get back to work, to be fair, because you have normality back in your life. That's excellent. And, and as part of that night, Megan was fundraising so that she could go and walk the Great Wall of China. That was also a success, and we've seen pictures off her in an Airdrie trip. Had a, a trip gone well? Yeah, she loved it. She met some great people. Obviously, people that were walking as well uh, had suffered for it, and everybody was doing it for somebody. Uh, but it's gave her the bug, and she, she's looking to do other stuff as well. On, on to football. Airdrie are playing Celtic on Saturday. It's been a long time since that's happened, but I wanted to speak to you because you've played in an Airdrie team that's knocked Celtic out of the cup, not once, but twice. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts with ex-football players, and it strikes me that you get some who have got real detailed memories of just about every game that they played in, and then others who remember bits and pieces. What, what are you like yourself? I can remember my dad wasn't happy after we beat him. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've got, I've got slight memories. There is little bits of it. Uh, obviously, the, the penalty shootout and Big Johnny pulled off again, some great saves, and Big John scoring the winner. And obviously, the 98 game today was, was Wenger's first game in Scottish or something like that. First, it was their first game at the, the new park as well. And young Marvin scoring the winner, you know. Well, to touch on that then, so growing up, uh, I'm guessing you're a Celtic fan, or were a Celtic fan, and that's based on when we last spoke, you said that Johnny Martin wo- welcomed you to the Airdrie dressing room. Uh, he must have been very tactical because he wanted to know what foot you kicked with, uh, and then he was disappointed in the answer. So <laughs> was Celtic your team growing up? Aye, I, support, I, I would say aye. But uh, I mean, if you ask me now, the team I support, I support Airdrie. I still look on a Celtic as well, but they were. So I won't tell a lie there they were. And I still look for the result as well, after the result. Uh, so what was it like to, to run out against your boyhood team? Did it give you more motivation or did, were you worried about it? No, I, w- I wasn't worried. It, it was exciting to play against these massive clubs. Obviously, they did have very, really talented players. And you're always, as a player, you're always looking to match yourself up against them and see how you get on. So the, the two matches, 1991 was a Skull Cup game, uh, an evening kick-off at Old Broomfield. I think it was one of the first Scottish games in Sky Sports. Uh, nothing each draw after full-time and extra time. Adrian won 5-4 in penalties, uh, and it was the first out and off Celtic's People's Ford away talk, which is one that a lot of people will remember. Um, from the game itself, can you remember who you were up against or, or any incidents from the match? You've gone back a long time now, Colin. I can remember big... If it wasn't for a bit, we were under the cost quite a bit. Big John uh, pulling off his usual Dave's. And I think it was, I mean, it was a change back four. We had Big John Watson playing at the back beside myself and that. I can't really remember a lot about the game. It's, it's I really just a penalty kicks you out. I can remember. I, mean, I think it was Jerry Craney that missed and Joe Muller that missed. And then obviously the boys and Big John just hitting it out. I can always remember saying to John, how do you know where you're going to put it? He says, I don't know. So how's the keeper going to know? I just hit it as hard as I can. I mean, and you, you were lined up to take a penalty, uh, but but Watson's was the winner and meant that he'd, uh, he'd saved you the pressure of knocking in the the winning goal. What was your tactic in penalty shootouts? I mean, did you hit many penalties for us? Yeah, I hit a few penalties for... I always, I always went to... If I could hit the side netting. If I hit the side netting, then the goal is never going to get there. I never, I actually went both sides a couple of times. And it is, it's a, pre, a pressure situation. 
mean, you can go out and train and just bang them in on a time, but in a match day, and if you're 1-0 down or 2-1, and especially in a penalty kick situation, it's just a case of pick your spot, don't change your mind, hopefully the keeper will go the other way. And 1991, so that was Airdrie side who were in the Premier League, had been promoted. Uh, they'd gone to make the Scottish Cup final in, in the summer as well. It was at Old Broomfield, so in some ways it wasn't that much of an upset. If we fast forward to 1998, it's the first season at the new stadium. Uh, we were unbeaten, but only maybe five or six games in Madrid Celtic, so you're, you're straight away worried about the unbeaten run. Uh, Celtic in 1991 were uh, going through a, a tough spell. Well, Rangers were on their way to nine in a row. Uh, by nineteen ninety eight, they're the Scottish champions. Uh, Joseph Engloss has taken over as coach. I think they'd beaten Croatia Zagreb the week before in in uh, Europe. Uh, so so it was a, a real strong team that you faced. Marvin Wilson uh, takes a penalty, misses it, uh, but scores the rebound. That game still over twenty years ago is a bit more recent. Uh, can you remember anything from that night? Yeah, I can always remember. We weren't afraid. I, I can remember that for a start. We were confident, being on a good run. You can always notice as well when the Celtic players first came out and they're walking around the park and obviously there's not many fans there and Vengos is looking around about and it's really nice surface and stuff like that. And to be fair, it was a big park, but we were, we were comfortable. We were confident in the dressing room that we could get something because we hadn't conceded a lot of goals at the time. And then we're on, it was, it was another game. They had a lot of chances. We defended well. Big Johnny, usual, had great saves. And then young Marvin's... I think actually Marvin got brought down for the penalty kick as well, if I remember right. And he's converted, obviously, the goal he's saved it and he's, he's followed up and, and chipped it over the top of him. Which was a fantastic achievement at the time for us. And then it was a kind of, right, this is what we've got to do. Defend it or go for another goal. Yeah, and... We held on. Marvin actually had a really good chance in the, the second half. I was watching the highlights again yes. the other night. Celtic pressing, pressing the Airdrie away on the counter. So it could have been two, but we'll, we'll take one now. We, we, at the Q&A, you were asked about the cup runs. So you're part of Airdrie all through the 90s under Alex McDonald. We took, started to take League Cup semi-finals and uh, Scottish Cup runs for, for granted. Uh, you were asked what the success was and you said big bonuses uh, as part of it but uh, we were coming up against a team and you were the underdogs what, what was McDonald's tactic how would he get the team ready tactically and what, what would he do to try and motivate you it was good that, uh, obviously the bonuses were a, was a big thing but tactically I mean you had good guys running about him you had like uh, your John McVeigh that would do like the day to day training with the manager and John Binney John Binney tactically and awareness of individual players you came up against he was fantastic so he would give you just little tips and who you're playing against and anything he said was was correct their strong points, their weak points and the gaffer he'd come in just before we'd gone out, 10 minutes before and he'd come in and just sit you doing and, and by the end of the time you're, you're going to the dressing room you're like shouting at each other you need each other on, they just his talk was just incredible. He just he just picked up on wee things and he made it into massive. And he always, he always used to say, "No regrets when we walked out. Just go and enjoy it." 
Paul, you went on to be a coach at Airdrie as well. Without getting into the details of who will be playing on Saturday or anything, uh, we're going to be up against uh, playing a team that's won seven league titles in a row. Uh, you've got players like Forrest and Christie who are, are flying at the moment. They might be giving debuts to Timothy Way and Oliver Burke who are lightning quick. Um, general points, when, when you're a coach and you've got a challenge like that, what's the best way for a team to approach it? Basically, to the, the concentration levels need to be sky high. That's, that's the, the biggest thing. Organisation, and I'm sure you know have them organised because they seem to have done really well since he's been in. Being compact, I mean, you know, you know, Celtic are going to have all the ball. It's just being having concentration and just watching the little runs, trying not to get pulled out of position too much because they're clever. They're clever that way, and then they've got the the midfield players that will try and go beyond. It's how how they transitional doing that, picking up players, runners and stuff like that. But I'm sure they do well. If, if the concentration level, if they can get through the first 15 minutes, they will get a little bit stronger. Men- mentally tough, they have to be, and it'll be hard for them. Whereas, like you say, Celtic have seven, seven titles in a row and they've won everything. The last two years so they've got that winning win mentality it's a habit for them but I'm sure the guys will do well I'm, I'm hoping they'll do well anyway unfortunately I can't be at the game because I was wanting to get there but I, I'm sure I'm sure Ian will have them revved up and I mean it'll be great for these guys to face them you know it'll be fantastic and as a final question, you played hundreds of games for Airdrie and everywhere from probably Huntley to Hamden. What's the impact to the crowd? If you're used to playing in front of crowds of a thousand or there or thereabouts and, and seeing Saturday there might be 40,000 there, does that put players off or does, does it give them, does it make that concentration part more difficult or does it give you adrenaline that, that helps? I, To be fair, the bigger crowd, I enjoyed it. Some, I think most players would like to play in front of bigger crowds. Because it generates some fantastic atmosphere. Obviously, when there is occasions when like big teams like your Celtic and your Rangers and that, when they're constantly on the attack, that's when your your concentration levels need to be you need to be high and you need to try and hear your your comrades because it's hard and people are shouting at each other in the park. It's hard. You really need to be switched on. And basically just cover no where you are in the park and somebody comes in that area, you just need to trust boys that are passing them on and be alert. It's going to be hard for them, but they'll enjoy it. To play in front, I'd rather play in front of 50,000 than play in front of 1,000, you know, so it'll be enjoyable for them. And they, they just, as long as they don't let the game go by them and like Alex McDonald used to say, have no regrets, and I'm sure Ian will drum that into them as well. Paul, that's excellent. Uh, delighted to speak to you and, and hear how well that you're doing. I'd love to see you again at some more uh, games. I'm sorry that you're missing Saturday, uh, but you're having to, having to work. Um, but it'd be great to see you at New Broomfield soon. And any more fundraising that Megan's doing, please let us all know and we'll make sure that we support that. Will do. Thanks, Colin. That's brilliant. Until the next round, that's it for the OTL Scottish Cup special. Massive thanks to Brian and Alan, to the Pattersons and to Paul Jack. Original music for OTL Podcast is by Scott Crawford. Please be sure to like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and tell our fellow supporters where they can find us.
Country.